Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and I want to welcome the callers and chatters to Research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. If you have logged in as a guest and you wish to participate in the chat, please sign in through your Facebook account or Blog Talk Radio. I will also open the lines in the second half of the show so that you can ask questions or make a comment. And then following the show, you can continue this discussion on Afrogenius.com and research at the National Archives and Beyond Facebook pages. In fact, please like both pages. This show will focus on a slave narrative. Now, before I introduce my guest, this is not the first show I've had where a descendant would share a narrative of their ancestor. About a year and a half ago, Regina E. Mason shared a moving discussion of her research and discovery of the first fugitive slave narrative of her great, great, great-grandfather, William Grimes. And I'm looking forward to seeing the movie that she is working on about this book and his life. Well, tonight's show will focus on after 12 years of slave with the descendants of Solomon Northup. And I'm happy that the five descendants are ready to share their insights with you tonight. They are Vera J. Williams, and she's the president of the Solomon Northup Foundation, Justin Gilliam, chief executive officer, Clayton J. Adams, historian and executive director, Eileen Jackson, regional director, and Lindsay Ray Williams, social media director. So let me give a warm welcome to the descendants of Solomon Northup. Welcome, everyone. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I just love hearing all of your voices. Well, let's start (laughs) off with Clayton Adams. Because, Clayton, as the historian for the group, I would really like you just to give us a brief synopsis of Solomon Northup's life and then the significance of his slave narrative. Hello, everybody. Hi. Um, 
Following the North Hope, what people don't realize was actually born free. His father, Mentus Northup, was born a slave and in 1797 was manumented from his uh, slave master. And eight years later, uh, excuse me, ten years later, Solomon Northup was born free in 1808. That is a major significance of this entire story because you have to realize the fact that he was born free in the state of New York, which was still a slave state. His father... Uh, being a slave all of his life, wanted to make sure that Solomon Northup had the proper education and advantages that he did not have in his entire lifetime. So he made sure that Solomon Northup was well-educated. And when Solomon decided that he wanted to take out the violin at a young age, uh, his father, Mentus Northup, um, by any means, made sure that he was able to take the violin. Mentus North of uh, Solomon's father instilled in him the religious part of, of his life. He instilled God into his life and and the act of perseverance and to make sure that you stay strong no matter what happens. Uh, when Solomon uh, got older, he was actually married in 1829 and had a wife, and they lived in Fort Edwards, New York. This is where it all began. Uh, he was born in 1829. Um, or excuse me, he was married in 1829. And from there, he, he developed uh, several different crafts in his lifetime. He worked as a farmer. He worked as a carpenter. And he still had his skills at a young age of playing the violin. Uh, Around 1832, he actually uh, leased out a farmland and was farming for four years. This is where two of his three children was actually born on the farm. Elizabeth was born first and Margaret was born second. After there, they moved to Saratoga Springs, which is where the catalyst of his entire uh, life was going to change. It was here where Alonzo Northup was, was born in 1836. And... His wife, Anne Hampton, which people have to understand as well, uh, her parents were free, and she had a very good education as well. She was very skilled in the culinary arts and was learning to be a manager. And this one faithful April in 1841, Anne Hampton usually had contracts uh, out to work at a place called the Cheryl's Coffee House is approximately 20 miles away from Saratoga Springs where they're living. And this particular year in 1841, she uh, took her oldest daughter, Elizabeth, with her to teach her the culinary arts in the kitchen as well. And the other two children, Margaret and Alonzo, went with uh, Anne Hampton's uh, sister. I say this because usually Solomon Northup will keep the children when, when his wife will go his, uh, to do her annual contract to work at the Cheryl's Coffee House every year. This particular year, 1841, uh, that did not happen. He stayed back and tried to pick up different odd jobs to make ends meet. And at this time, in Saratoga Springs, when he was approached by two gentlemen, uh, Burrow, excuse me, Brown and Hamilton, and they... Asked Solomon Northup uh, 
they heard that he played the violin very well, and they claimed that they were in the circus that was on break and was trying to make a money on the side, which uh, Solomon Arthur could appreciate. They asked him to play the violin with them in a, in a show that they were doing in New York City. Solomon Arthur decided to go down to New York City, knowing that his wife is away for, for a couple of weeks uh, to try to make some extra money. Uh, this show was successful in New York City, so they actually did have a show in New York City where, where Solomon Arthur played the violin. It was from this point that they asked him to go to Washington City, which is now Washington, D.C. At this point in time, Washington City was still the, the capital of the slave trade in the, in the U.S. in 1841. And initially, Solomon Northup declined, but Brown and Hamilton convinced him to come with him. They'll pay him three times the, the amount plus uh, fare to get back home for, for this one, and we'll get your freedom papers, and you'll be with us. And so they totally befriended Solomon Northup. There was no reason whatsoever that Solomon would think that these people were actually uh, uh, kidnappers. And they stayed at the Gatsby Hotel right in downtown Washington City. They got in town and went to a a tavern, Shaquille's Tavern. Chattel, excuse me, Chattel's Tavern was very famous for for slave trade. It was one of the, the hidden underground slave trade taverns there, and there were many. Here is where they, in a sense, silently auctioned off Solomon Northup without him even realizing it. And once they had a buyer, uh, they brought out a drink that, that drugged Solomon Northup. And by the time they got back to the hotel, he just thought that he was sick, and they put him to rest and waited till he was so ill to take him out at, in the middle of the night out of the hotel down to the William Slave Pen as he thought he was going to a hospital. It was Birch, uh, James Birch, who purchased Solomon Northup at the William Slave Pen. When Solomon uh, awoke several days later, not realizing uh, the situation that he was in, he did realize he was still in Washington City because he was still able to see the, the U.S. Capitol building out of the basement window of the slave uh, tavern that he, or the slave pen that he was in, the William Slave Pen. Realizing of his predicament, he proclaimed his freedom uh, and stated that he was a free black man born in New York with a wife and children. Birch literally whipped him with a paddle and with a cat and eyes tail to the point that he could not speak any more of this and told him if he ever mentions the fact that he was a free black man, that death will come upon him. So that was the one thing that, that Solomon Arthur realized his situation and was able to adapt very quickly with his education to try to just wait for the right opportunity to try to go for his escape. From here, he was sold down to Louisiana, but on the way down, they stopped at Richmond, Virginia, another slave pen there, just as a, a layover before he was going down to, to Louisiana to be sold into a cotton plantation. In Louisiana, he was actually ill on the boat and was in the hospital for several weeks uh, before he was even healthy enough to be sold. This is very significant in his story as well. 
God had a plan all along of what was going to happen to Solomon for the future. Because if he was immediately sold when he got down to Louisiana, who knows where he might have been. He would not have been with Master Ford, which was the gentleman who did purchase him, um, which led to his, his freedom in, in the long run. So uh, I think that's something that no one realizes. That he was actually ill for several weeks and in the hospital before he was even healthy enough to get sold. At that point, he was purchased by Master Ford and was on that plantation for just a couple of years. Uh, there was an altercation with one of the overseers that Solomon uh, had where Master Ford wanted to secure the life of Solomon Northup and sold him to Master Epps. Master Epps' plantation he was on for 10 years, and this was the longevity of his 12 years of slave on the cotton plantation with, with Master Epps. Fast forward, Solomon Northup uh, was able to reach out within his 12th, 11th year of slavery to a gentleman by the name of Samuel Bass, who was a Canadian carpenter who came down south just for employment. He was very verbal about his disagreement with the slave system in the United States. And trusting Samuel Bass with his story, he told him the entire story and, and asked Solomon or asked Samuel Bass if he could write a letter to get to his hometown to tell him where he's located at. And Samuel Bass uh, obliged and mailed it from Marksville, Louisiana, the actual mail place in the town that he mailed the letter from. Once that letter got back to Saratoga Springs, New York, Henry Northup, which is actually a childhood friend of his and is actually the nephew of his father's slave master. So that's very important that Samuel, or excuse me, Henry Northup and Solomon Northup actually grew up together. So this gentleman was into politics and, and was working from the very beginning of trying to locate Solomon Northup and just needed his specific or general location to be able to go down and rescue him. Since he was uh, kidnapped, which was illegal back in the 1840s, he was able to locate him, come down to Marksville, Louisiana, and approach the, the mayor and the sheriff and figure out where this particular plantation is. Luckily, by running into uh, excuse me, running into Samuel Bass as he's getting ready to leave to go back to Canada, with the uh, detailed information of the letter, the sheriff realized that this might be Samuel Bass, a Canadian who's in town, who always comes down, and they luckily was able to locate him prior to his departure to Louisiana. And if they weren't able to locate Samuel Bass and he to be able to tell him exactly which plantation he was on, it would have took longer for them to try to locate uh, Solomon Northup, especially since they changed his name to Platt Hamilton when he was kidnapped back in Washington, D.C. They rescued Solomon Northup on the plantation. Henry Northup had all of the papers documenting that he was a free 
black man and the records of his slave of his freedom census records showing that he was a free black man with a family and kids and and the authorization from the governor of New York State stating that it is to be returned this free black man and so he was able to be rescued and upon the travels back Henry Northup just suggested that Solomon write a memoir of, of his experience as as a slave since he was very educated and they sat down together and, and wrote the book Twelve Years a Slave and it was published and Frederick Douglass at that time critiqued it this was very important as well because just a year before Uncle Tom's Cabin came out and 12 Years a Slave is has a lot of similarities to Uncle Tom's Cabin so initially they proclaimed that Solomon North's book was fraudulent, it was plagiarism and no one was really believing it but thinking this to the critique of Frederick Douglass stating that there is no way that any person could give the detailed information of everyday life on a cotton plantation unless, in fact, themselves were a slave. That boosted the sale of the book and validated it even further because everybody knew Frederick Douglass. And after that, after he was rescued, Solomon Northup got into, he was an abolitionist. Every money that he tried to raise was put back into the Underground Railroads. He even created stage plays to go around to try to earn money, income to give to the Underground Railroad. And what we found out uh, through newspaper articles and the such that he was doing this way until 1857. So for the four years after he was rescued in 1853, for four years he worked as an abolitionist. He helped the Underground Railroad. He traveled and told his stories uh, even as far up as into Canada. And then all of a sudden, one day, he just disappeared out of the limelight. What we came to believe is that he went deep into the Underground Railroad and assistance and needed to get out of the media. Uh, that was very important. Um, in doing that, so, he actually was helping a gentleman who was working in the Underground Railroad in Vermont. His name is Reverend John L. Smith. Very famous because his son, John R. Smith, uh, found letters of his records of, Sol of working with Solomon Arthur. But after 1863, there's no documentation anywhere stating where Solomon Northup is, and that's the mystery that we are trying to solve right now. Right. In fact, I, I and thank you very much for the, uh, the synopsis of uh, Solomon Northup's uh, life. Uh, one of the questions that I was asked to ask you, of which you just answered, was do you know what happened to him? Do you know where he's buried? Uh, so I'm hoping at, at one time or at a point in your research that you will find uh, additional information on his life. But this slave narrative was extremely uh, valuable because you generally have not had an opportunity to read about people who have been kidnapped and then returned to freedom. And so with what you have shared with us, this is a story that so many people 
uh, have had a chance to see by film, and I'm hoping that they have also read the book. Now, there is a question coming out of the chat. Uh, what is the family story? And before I ask you the two questions coming out of the chat, since I do have the five descendants uh, on the line, I'm going to ask each of you how are you related to Solomon Northup, because we know from what you just told us, Clayton, that he had three children. So let's start with Vera. How are you related, Vera? Um, I am related to Solomon uh, Northup through his son, Alonzo. Alonzo had a son called John Henry, and um, John Henry had a daughter by the name of Victoria and Victoria had a daughter by the name of Laura, and I am Laura's daughter. So I am the third great-great-great-granddaughter uh, of Solomon Northup. Okay. And then we have Justin. How are you connected to Solomon Northup? Uh, the easiest way of uh, defining that is I'm in the same lineage as Vera, my mother. I'm her son. I'm her youngest son. So I'm the fourth or the great, 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 great grandson of Solomon Arthur. Okay. And then uh, Clayton? Yes, hi. It's the same lineage through Alonzo Northup, and I am the great, great, great grandson. You are the same lineage through the same, through Alonzo. Okay. Correct. Exact and then. Same. And Eileen? Yes, I'm um, through the same lineages that um, Alonzo, John Henry, Victoria. My mother, Alice, was Victoria's first daughter. And I am the great, great, great granddaughter of Solomon Northup. Okay, and then Lindsay? Yes, I am um, through, again, through Alonzo, whose son, John Henry, and then my grandmother, uh, my great-grandmother, Victoria, my grandfather, Richard, my mother, Lori, and then I am the great-great-great-great-granddaughter of Solomon Martha. Okay. And so you all are ch children's sister's children. Is that what it is? Yes. I'm trying to get yes. it. Okay. Yes. Right. Now, there are some questions. And I, I, I hope somebody will will just kind of say, "I'll I'll take that question." Uh, what is the family story about Solomon Northup? Let's start with um, Justin. Justin, what's the family story? The family story. Um, I think the story is is all is felt personally by each one of us. We all receive the story, I think, differently. Um, okay. I grew up knowing his story. Uh, one of the first books that was read to me was was a, uh, was a book with his narrative in it, um, a book called Putting On for Old Massa. And it was something that just just was with me as I grew up. I mean, every African American History Month, it was he was my main topic. Um, all my friends growing up knew that I was a relative. It might not have meant anything to them at the time, but um, I get a lot of people to reach back out to me uh, in that regard, you know, remembering that I brought him up 
um, but it was something um, to our family that was a point of pride, was something that, that, that bound us together, um, was a point of faith when times were getting hard for us, especially in my immediate family. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's what that story encompassed to us, was perseverance, faith, overcoming any obstacle. Perseverance, faith, and overcoming any obstacle. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, uh, uh, there's so many questions coming out. And so before I hear from the rest of you, there's a question. Did, um, let me see, how are these questions going? Excuse me for my silence, but sometimes I, I miss questions because they're coming by. Uh, did the grandparents or great-grandparents speak of Solomon North of Vera? Yes, I can t- answer that question. I remember as a child um, one day sitting on the floor doing something and um, my overhearing a conversation with my mother and and her mother, my grandmother, and them talking about um, my grandmother's life, her growing up, and then her talking about um, Solomon Northup. And I remember later after that, my grandmother um, actually gave uh, the slave narrative that Justin was just talking about, putting on Old Massa, has three slave narratives in it, and one of the narratives was Solomon Northup's story. And so my grandmother mm-hmm. actually gave that book to all of her children, and it was from that wow. book is where I, I read the story of Solomon Northup. That is wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, Eileen, what can you tell us? Well, living in California, uh, separated from the majority of our family on the East Coast, and my I do remember the book, but very vaguely. My introduction to Solomon was the 1984 movie made for television uh, called Solomon Northrup's Odyssey, and that was with uh, Avery Brooks and Gordon. He played Solomon. And Gordon Parks was, uh, I believe, the director-producer. And hearing that story and finding, you know, what he went through, the horrific tragedies of slavery, I just tried to cling to the fact that what a blessing it was that he was able to return, you know, home after all of the, after 12 years. And when was that, Eileen? In uh, 1984. In 1984, uh, but at uh-huh. that time, were you uh, were you aware of your connection to Solomon Northup? Oh, very vaguely. I had heard of the book, but it just wasn't uh, emphasized to the point where it made a strong impression on me as a uh, growing up. Uh huh. Yes, mm-hmm. I can imagine. No, just just seeing it, and then at what point did you? come to that realization that he was your ancestor? Oh, well, my grandmother um, continued to tell us about it, 
but it didn't seem streamlined until uh, 1999 when they had the first original um, annual Solomon Northrop Day in Saratoga Springs. I traveled there from California with my grandmother and was enlightened of how uh, deep this story was and became entrenched in, you know, curious and knowledgeable about Solomon at that time. Well, I can, now as a descendant, going to Saratoga Spring, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead as, as far as our discussion, but what was it like going there? Oh, it was amazing because um, they embraced my grandmother. I, I tickled uh, laughing with her saying, oh, you're a celebrity because she was 90 years old at the time. And once they showed us the marker that they had designed and um, Dr. Clifford Brown had a display at uh, Union College that uh, showed the shackles and also uh, broke down the family lineage and, you know, showed us uh, where Mentis was buried. He took us all around Fort Edward. And that's where I got my first copy of 12 Years a Slave, which was uh, re-edited by Dr. Sue Eakin with all the footnotes of all her research. And that's when my whole, like the light bulb really went on. <laughs> yes, yes. And when, I mean, with, with a 90-year-old grandmother at this event, mm -hmm. Did it bring up memories for her that she shared with you? I, she didn't specifically tell of any stories, but I could, I could tell she was just so proud to take it all in and be revered the way she was. And um, it was also an opportunity for our whole family, the ones who could attend, to come together and um, in, uh, for me to meet new <laughs> descendants. And she didn't really recap the story more. She was living in the moment and just yes. totally appreciative, you know? Yes. And then how uh, long did she live? Did your grandmother live? She lived to be After 98 Solomon years old. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, Wonderful. she she passed away in uh, 2007. Mm -hmm. This yeah, is a Clayton Adams. Can I interject real real briefly on on this question as well? Um, sure. I, I know I'm, I'm I know I'm jumping the gun, and I apologize, but that's okay, yes, Clayton. And, go ahead. You all are sharing your uh, insight and helping us understand what it's like as a descendant. So go ahead. Right. My mother is Carol, which is Vero's uh, mother's sister, and with Grandma Victoria, who was born with a maiden name Northup, which is, I think, should be very much noted. Uh, she was 90 when, when when she came to Saratoga Springs, that they honored her with, with the street marker, which is there now to this day, which marks the exact spot where Brown and Hamilton approached Solomon Northup to convince him to play the violin in New York City. So that marker is in the exact same spot. So every time that we go back and we stand right at that street marker, 
I mean, it, it just brings up so much emotion because you're actually standing in the exact spot that Solomon stood back in 1841. And I know Grandma Victoria, every time that she would come back to the East Coast to visit when she stayed with my mother, uh, she always insisted of going, as my mother did tell me this later in, in life, that Grandma always assisted, insisted on going back to Saratoga Springs every time she came over to the East Coast. And so Grandma has been back to Saratoga several times uh, within her uh, 98 years of, of living. And, I mean, that just tells you right there how how emotional it was for her not to just go the one year, but every time she came to the East Coast and was in the Syracuse area, wanted to go back to Saratoga Springs. Okay. And uh, thank you so much for sharing that with us because I can imagine what it was like for her to go back and, and grateful that you all would take her back so that she could just experience uh, the moment. And uh, But there's a question coming out of the chat, and then we're going to take a quick break and come back because I still uh, have Lindsay that we need to uh, have share uh, some uh, information with us. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break, come back, and continue this discussion, okay? Welcome back to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and you can join me every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, where I will have an expert to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy and history questions. Remember, all of my guests share a deep passion and knowledge of genealogy and history. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Now, you have been listening to the descendants of Solomon Northup, Vera J. Williams, Justin Gilliam, Eileen Jackson, Clayton Adams, and now we're going to hear from Lindsay Williams. Well, Lindsay, Lindsay Ray, hi there. Hello. Hi, Lindsay. Well, why don't you tell us, uh, when did you find out 
or become aware of the fact that you were a descendant of Solomon Northrup? So I, as a child, um, growing up, I knew my mother had mentioned it to me as a child, myself and my sisters, and we knew of the story. Um, but it wasn't until, I believe it was 1999, when we uh, took that first trip to Saratoga Springs for the first Solomon Northup Day. And I was probably mm-hmm. about 11 or 12 years old. And that was oh, the okay. first time that it really um, stuck out to me as being something really significant um, at that point, because that's when they took us around Saratoga and the different places that he experienced in Saratoga. And that was my first true experience of actually knowing, okay, this is something, this is something significant. And so it wasn't until um, probably I was in high school that I actually read the book itself and um, was able to actually read the story and, and um, understand how important this story is to us and our country. And so, I knew growing up, but I was um, I lived across the country from my grandfather, and so I didn't have um, some and my great grandmother, so I didn't have some of those older stories um, to share. But I knew I just wasn't aware of how significant it was until probably about eleven or twelve. Okay, now there's a question coming out, and it's about the two other children because we know that all of you are descendants of Alonzo. What about the other two children? Clayton, can you tell us a little bit about the other two children, and do you know any of their descendants? Yes. um, The other two children, uh, Elizabeth was born first, and and Margaret was born second. Uh, We do, I was able to research some information, and definitely with the help of Dr. Clifford Brown, was able to find a lot of information about Elizabeth and, and Margaret. Margaret had several children. Uh, as depicted in the movie, her son that she named Solomon North of Stanton uh, was one of the children. Just basically through through census information of research is really the only means that we have of, of tracking these other descendants of of Solomon and children of Solomon and grandchildren of Solomon. So actually connecting with them, we have yet to be able to do that. And I was hoping that this movie will bring it out and we'll be able to find new descendants of Margaret and, and Elizabeth and come together. So still hoping and praying for, for, for that day to connect we were able to find out where Margaret Solomon's uh, daughter is is buried, and Elizabeth where she is buried, and Alonzo where he is buried. Yet, still do not know where Anne Hampton, his wife, or Solomon is. Oh, okay. So, where are they buried? Margaret is actually buried down at the West Point Cemetery in Norfolk, Virginia. Elizabeth, we, we found out that she is possibly buried uh, around the Rochester area. And Alonzo Northup is actually buried in Reedsport, New York, which is in between the hometown of, of Geneva and Syracuse. 
and mm-hmm. just recently discovered that and looking forward to going to the Weesport Royal Royal Cemetery. Um, okay, Elizabeth someone else Alonzo, said yes. Elizabeth and Alonzo, yes. Margaret is in Virginia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I'm sorry, I heard another voice come in. I'm sorry, I was just mentioning that those were all cities in New York State. Okay, gotcha. Okay. And Margaret is right. actually in uh, North, Margaret is actually in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, at West Point Cemetery. Now, there's a question coming out of the chat, and the uh, chatter uh, stated that she noticed that there were descendants that appeared white when the movie was being promoted. Uh, Have they embraced Solomon's story and legacy? Um, I can can take that. Um, Okay. This this past, this is Vera, this past year, and the previous year at the um, Solomon Northup um, Day of Celebration in Saratoga Springs, New York, um, lots of descendants from all over uh, came to um, Saratoga Springs to celebrate the Solomon Northup Day uh, celebration there in Saratoga Springs. And we all stayed um, at Skidmore College and it was kind of like a little community, if you will, of, you know, descendants of Solomon Northrop. They were white and, and black. And, and there were also uh, descendants of Samuel Bass who came to the uh, celebration this year specifically. So um, okay. we have gotten together and um, from picnics and um, celebrations like this. Okay. Now, um, I just want everyone to know, because I did say I would open the phone lines in the second half of the show, and so the lines are open, 646-200-0491, and press 1 to speak to the host. If When I see you, I will call out your area code. When your area code is called out, you will be live, okay? So I just want everyone to to be aware of that if you would like to specifically speak to uh, or make a comment or ask a question. Now, there is a question coming out of the chat. Has all of the data uh, concerning Solomon Northup been put into a large genealogy database? Clayton? To answer that, uh, no. I'll make that a simple answer. I am still researching a lot of information and trying to go down the avenue of reaching out and looking up the the children now to hopefully backtrack um, a different avenue of trying to locate Solomon Northup. I was able to locate and find out that Alonzo Northup, his son, which we are all descendants of, actually was in, listed in the Civil War in the 26th Regiment F Troop of the United States uh, Colored uh, Troops, which was an amazing find. So we are going to that avenue of, of research and trying to find more information about the children to see if we could backtrack and, and find hopefully some information on Solomon Northup. 
my next research will be death certificates now that I know the specifically where the cemeteries are located and the approximate dates of, of, of death. And you mentioned that Alonzo was in the USCT. Did he file a pension? Do you know? And that's actually where I am at the point of researching right now is I was able to obtain a lot of records, monthly, monthly records of Solomon, or excuse me, of Alonzo Northup. And my next step is to figure out these numbers that's on the back of these military records. And I believe some of these numbers, as I was researching at the National Archives, too, in Maryland, that these records show pension numbers. Okay. And so that would be my next uh, avenue. Oh, absolutely. And that would give you a wealth of information. Now, I, I am seeing a caller, uh, so I'm going to hopefully get this caller online. Area code 585, do you have a question or a comment? You Good are evening, live. everybody. How are you? Good evening. Good, Good evening. Hello. Hello. I'm Irene Northrup-Zahos. I live in the city of Rochester, New York, and I am Solomon Northrup's great-great-granddaughter. Oh, Hello. Hi, Irene. Well, welcome to the Hi, Irene. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hi, Irene. Yes. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. I just want to go back because you had uh, asked a question about the importance of a narrative, which Clayton did, a, you know, a, a brilliant uh, summation. But the importance of a narrative in and of itself is that it was the first book written by a free black man who became enslaved and then eventually was released back to his family and his home. And the other thing uh, is that in the writing, in the narrative itself, Solomon is very matter-of-fact in describing people in his interactions with those folks. He is extremely um, cognizant of his environment and writes very clearly of that area in which he is located, either, you know, from Washington all the way down on, on into Louisiana. He himself, in writing of his different enslavers, never accused them. He never described them in a bad manner. He actually was, you know, very, like I said, open-handed open and very matter-of-fact in, in, in doing that. And the other thing I wanted to bring up, too, Clayton was talking about the different um, tasks or jobs that uh, Solomon had had. And one of the things that people do not know was that he was also an entrepreneur while he was there in uh, Fort Edwards, Saratoga. And what he did, he realized that uh, that area was a, a lumbering uh, area. And these lumbermen needed their logs to be transported downstream to the uh, mill. So what Solomon did, he went about and um, 
got a raft and took on these loads and ferried them all the way down to wherever their destination was. And to go into the book in Louisiana, he was uh, given a task uh, to go into the swamp and um, literally find a pathway that would be easy for um, the owner, the, the enslaver at that time. And, you know, the book and the history and the things that Solomon did all correlated for the things that he did down south because he was exceptional. Um, his enslavers thought that he was, you know, a nuisance to one point, but then they took advantage of his expertise, either in carpentry or in boating, you know, and in the violin because he did play down there as well. So I just wanted, you know, to build up onto that because, you know, that's a very important part of uh, the, of his story. Right, so. and uh, one of our chatters is pointing out that we did see that his skills were shown in the movie, and of course mm-hmm. they were described in the book. So thank you so much for adding to the narrative and stressing the importance of this particular slave narrative. Thank you so much for calling in. You're quite welcome, Bernice. It's interesting to listen to all the stories. Oh, yes, most definitely. Well, we're going to go back to the descendants, and this time, and thank you because this is a descendant that called in, and now we're going to to go back for a step. Now, I've already heard all of you mention uh, Solomon Northup's day in Saratoga Springs. But let's talk about some uh, historical documents that were available in New York. Uh, Vera and Clayton, were you shown or did you see any historical documents when you went to New York? Clayton, do you want to talk uh, about that? And I can talk about documents in Washington, D.C. Yes, because that's going to be the next place that we go from New York to <laughs> yeah. Washington, D.C., and what you all encountered in Washington, D.C. Uh, we're working with uh, Dr. Clifford Brown. We were able to see some of the census, specifically the 1840 census of Solomon Northup, which stated that he was a free man with a wife and and three children, which just validates more of his story, and able to find uh, newspaper clippings of his stories after he was rescued. I was personally able to go to certain key places that Solomon was at. One specific one that stands out in my mind to this day is actually going to the house of, excuse me, the house of, 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 of John Holmes, which is Henry Northup's um, son. That, that was an amazing place to, to go to and see where Henry Northup grew up and where Solomon played with Henry Northup in, in the backfields while they were growing up together. And basically the, the, Things that I was able to obtain uh, with Clifford Brown is going to different locations 
that was able to track down where Solomon was at. I was able to actually see uh, different tombstones of the slave master side of the family as, as well. And even the latest discovery is possibly the area of the farmland where Solomon Norsos was a farmer prior to moving to Saratoga Springs. So going to those places and seeing some of those documents was very, very amazing. Okay. And Vera? Okay. And in uh, Washington, D.C., um, I was um, um, honored by uh, being given a replica of the uh, Brig Orleans Ships Manifest by the National Archives, which is where I do work, and they had have in their holdings the actual Ships Manifest, which shows uh, Platt Hamilton was on that ship from uh, Richmond and sent to Louisiana. So that was pretty awesome to see the documentation following um, Solomon Northup, a.k.a. Platt Hamilton, from uh, Richmond to uh, Louisiana. And they gave uh, myself and some of the other descendants um, um, a copy of the, the a replica of the, the manifest. And, uh, and that was given to us, and we visited the uh, National Archives, and they had it on exhibit uh, this past year, um, during um, last year during Black History Month. So that was pretty awesome to, to, to see that actual document. It was very moving for us who actually attended the National Archives to see the document and see his name um, on this document. Another item in Washington, D.C., which was uh, very moving for um, myself and Clayton and I actually did what a, uh, we called it walking in his footsteps. And we walked in Solomon Northup's footsteps where he was in Washington, D.C. Clayton um, discussed earlier about the um, um, Gadsby Tavern where um, Solomon Northup was given that. Yeah, I'm sorry, Gatsby Hotel. The Gatsby Hotel and then the... And Shekels Shekels Tavern, I'm sorry, is where he actually had the drink. Um, But uh, that is the site today of the uh, museum, um, major journalism um, building and museum, um, if you will, in Washington, D.C., and then we also yes, we the, know where that is absolutely yes, yes. and we <laughs> wow. we also took a uh, a trip to the former site of the Williams Slave Pen, which today is the site of the um, FAA, uh, the uh, famous FAA uh, agency in Washington D.C. And even more interesting is that. I have worked. I worked at the FAA for two and a half years and never knew the history that what went on right there at that site. So that was pretty awesome, you know, for me to to have that experience. And then we finished the uh, tour and we went up to the Capitol and looked back out and just imagining what Solomon Northup was looking 
out of that William slave pen up at the Capitol, and that's how he knew that he was still in Washington, D.C., when he woke up after being drugged. Okay, and of course, uh, I have two questions. Which building, where is the building? You mentioned the location of the museum was the place, tell us again, where Solomon was first enslaved? That's where that's where he was given the um, cocktail that drugged him. The no, cocktail. no, the, uh, okay. the new, no. The museum is actually the location <laughs> of the Gatsby, the Gatsby Hotel where he stayed at with uh, Brown and Hamilton as a free man when they went down to Washington um, City. The site of the Chacal's Tavern where he was drugged at uh, is in between. Ironically, uh, just a block away at the Federal Trade Commission and in between the Federal Trade Commission and the National Archives. And uh, okay. Okay. The, We're the FAA building is ironic. I find it so ironic that the slave, the William Slave Pen, which is now the location of the FAA building, is actually at the corner of 7 and Independence. <laughs> like it's at uh-huh. the corner of Independence. But it was back then a slave pen. And a lot of Washington. Now we do have a question coming from the uh on phone. Uh area code three oh one. Do you have a question or a comment? I just have a comment. I just wanted to mention that Alonzo Northrop did indeed get a pension himself. He was ill. And also there is a widow's pension. So, Clayton, when you come to Maryland next month, we'll make sure that you get that information. There's a wealth of information available in pension records. In fact, Clayton, I'll Wonderful. have it waiting for you. <laughs> I'll have it waiting <laughs> Thank for you very when much. you get here. <laughs> Thank, Thank you very you. much. Okay. Okay, so leaving Washington, we know that he left Washington and it ended up in Richmond, Virginia. So, Lindsay, tell us about Shaco Bottom. What I mean, tell us the significance of Shaco Bottom, and let's let's hear more about the uh, Richmond slave trade. Sure. So the area of Shaco Bottom in Richmond that um, is an area that hosts one of the largest slave trade centers in our country. And so in Solomon's uh, book, he mentions when he uh, was kidnapped in Washington D.C. And then he traveled through Fredericksburg, Virginia, and he ended up in Richmond, Virginia, where he ended up staying the night, which um, Clayton mentioned earlier. And in the book, he mentions uh, one of the slave masters of um, the slave pen, and he mentions him in the book, he calls him uh, Gooden, uh, which people believe today that was um, Goodwin. Um, so there's one of the, the slave uh, the slave pens in Richmond, one of the large slave pens in Richmond was um, a William Goodwin slave pen. And so uh, we believe that Solomon spent a night there in Shackle Bottom, according to his book, uh, before he was moved to uh, Louisiana. So um, just the significance of that area is that it was one of the large, the largest slave trade centers in the country. Um, it's estimated that there was probably about half a million people who were sold through that um, those slave markets um, prior to the end of the Civil War. So um, that's a really significant piece of our history country there. 
And right now, since we're we're talking about Shackle Bottom, what's happening in uh, Richmond as as it concerns the excavation in Shackle Bottom? Sure. So there, over the years, uh, there has been a proposal from the mayor of Richmond uh, to build a baseball stadium, essentially, over a piece of the Shackle Bottom area which right now there's not there's not much there um so they they call it a vacant um space but um there has been a lot of resistance from the community in Richmond um from obviously some of the members of the community in Richmond and so um at this point there is no proposal um the last opportunity uh, the mayor did not, he pulled the proposal, but there are rumors that there's another proposal um, that could be coming forward. And so uh, there's a, a large community of folks in Richmond that are really working together and opposing the stadium because we recognize the historical significance of that area and would love to see um, something historical be there uh, rather than a baseball stadium. Oh, Okay. And well, I I certainly hope that the advocacy that's going on in Richmond will certainly prevent a baseball stadium from being built there, so that this uh, large slave market can be uh, either preserved, or they can do more archaeological right. digs, and and at least share uh, kind of with the world what this meant. And and when you mention uh, receiving a copy of the slave ship manifest. Uh, from Richmond with Platt Hamilton's name on it, uh, a question uh, of, that I certainly would want to know is what ship was he shipped on and at what time was he sent to New Orleans? Simply because I have also been tracing an ancestor from Richmond to New Orleans on a slave ship. So do you have that information, uh, Vera? Yes, it was the uh, Brig Orleans he was on, and I don't have the manifest here in front of me, but I can I, share I have with a copy you. of it. I have a copy of it. It says it's the 24th day of April in 1841. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Well, Eileen, tell yes. us about the next stop, because I know he ended up in Louisiana. So why don't you mm -hmm. tell us what you saw and what happened when you went to Louisiana to trace his uh, steps. Okay. Um, first, I have um, a book when I visited Louisiana in October that was given to me, and uh, one of your callers had asked about uh, research material, so I'll give you that. It's uh, the 160th anniversary of uh, addition from 12 Years a Slave, and it's put together uh, tracing his footsteps, and it's on um, available on Amazon.com, and it's through Avoyle's Commission of Tourism. Then what I wanted to tell you is that they have pamphlets tracing Solomon's footsteps called the Northup Trail, and I had researched it uh, online before I went to try to find out, you know, where Solomon was. And I had the opportunity to meet uh, Meredith Milan, who uh, designed it with her thesis for her master's degree at LSU. Um, Solomon 
it shows the different plantations he was at and also um, the courthouse in Marksville where he was released. And in this courthouse, they have a huge display on one of the walls telling his whole story. And what I found is that uh, people, several people, citizens of Louisiana, really embrace Solomon's story and they're proud of his story and that they, I'm just in, impressed that they're so knowledgeable about it and, you know, way before the movie came out. But what they told me, which impressed me, they had a picture of the Epps house and it was much smaller than I had envisioned. And the Epps house was restored and uh, placed on the LSU Alexandria campus for anyone to go and uh, visit. Uh, this house had basically four large rooms on the first floor, and I didn't get a chance to see upstairs, but it wasn't really large as the roof was at an angle. But when I saw it, my heart just skipped a beat because it was kind of small, and all I could think of is if this is the house where the slave owner lived, what did, you know, how were the accommodations mm -hmm. for the slaves there? Um, they gave me an opportunity to go to the courthouse and to see Solomon's, I call them freedom release papers. They were the legal documents that were signed and um, the last day when he was given his freedom. And just to look at all the history and the fact that they, you know, have this for, uh, I'm trying to currently get a copy of it for everyone. It's, uh, it shows that they embraced his story and they're actually proud of the history and the fact that Solomon documented everything and also acknowledged that Edwin Epps was one of their mean slave owners. <laughs> but being there from being from California and looking at the landscape there, I've got mountains all around me and there there's just acres and acres of flatland as if it's geographically designed for plantations. It's just such a open area. It's, it's kind of captivating and I would encourage uh, our family to take advantage to see it because it, it turns from a observation to feeling spiritual and emotional to, uh, to see the old, slave quarters and it's uh it's hard for me to describe <laughs> yes and uh, and i can imagine um uh, that that feeling and now for for those people who don't know exactly where you're speaking of you are talking mm -hmm. about bunky louisiana yes yes this a is in Avoyles parish yes a bunky Boyle's louisiana parish. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And um, a, a neighboring town is Marksville, and that was the courthouse where the sheriff came, that um, where they released Solomon from. The main plantation where the Epps House and uh, Edwin Epps Plantation is in Bunkie, B U N K I E, and uh, their main crop that they uh, grow there now is sugarcane instead of cotton. A lot of the area has found. Um, cotton not to be as lucrative 
you know, currently. So they're growing sugarcane and uh, soybeans, rice, different things like that. And so going through this experience, I mean, you went to the courthouse, you saw the the actual document, and then did you also meet with descendants, let's say descendants of the Epps family or descendants of the Sheriff's family or descendants of the Bass family while you were either Um, in Louisiana or in other locations? Well, I had an opportunity to uh, attend a tribute to Solomon at Loyola University in New Orleans in April, and I met the descendants of the Ford family. I met the descendants of uh, the lawyer, Waddle, that um, was uh, essential in freeing Solomon, and descendants of the Bass family from Canada. And also, Dr. Sue Eakin, they um, honored her, and I met her son, Frank Eakin, and they, um, excuse me, Sam Eakin, but um, Frank Eakin has also been um, developing, designing an app of the Solomon Northrop Trail that's available now. And, uh, oh, it was just such an exciting um, atmosphere to to see how so many people, it actually was so crowded because the turnout, they were impressed <laughs> that they hadn't thought that many people would be there, but um, it was exhilarating and it just made me want to know more. So I asked them where the plantation was because I had no idea. And they said, oh, you got to travel about three hours north of New Orleans up to Avoyles Parish and um, go to Bunky. So that's when um, I followed up because I had met the mayor of Bunky and Cheneyville there and also the mayor Mm -hmm. of Mansura and um, just told him, I just want to see the plantation. So they, you know, they helped me with directions and um, organized my trip so that I could, um, you know, see the area and work with the Board of Tourism there. And uh, they actually honored me, which shocked me because I was just trying to, you know, see the plantation, but they were so happy to have descendants of Solomon in the area. And um, they definitely expressed that to me. So I really, I was impressed and appreciated it at the same time. Right. So now we have gone from New York, Washington, D.C., Richmond, Virginia, and Louisiana. And which of the five of you have gone to all three places? Not me. <laughs> Justin. I have. Yeah. Justin. Okay, well Justin, Justin tell us about tell us about this whole experience for you and and at at this stage of your life, where are you? You you've gone there, you've seen it, you've read the book. Oh, I mean, it's it's again something that um that I walk with every day. I mean, experiencing um some of his some of the landmarks where he he walked and and lived and frequented up in New York, and then to enjoy that with family and and take that experience on with them. Um, I mean, that was that was there 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 really no words to to, to encompass that moment. I mean. Uh, family reunion on uh, times ten. Yeah, <laughs> um, 
been in this area, uh, even even in Washington, and being able to walk in his footsteps in this area as well um, was 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 breathtaking. I mean, something that I was able to share with my daughter as it was shared with me growing up um, is uncomparable. I mean, it's something that my my daughter will uh, keep with her as I kept with me all, all you know throughout my life. Um, I was actually learning a lot of the story of Solomon Northup in my time in Louisiana and um, was a point of discovery for me. So it was uh, uh, when I talk, uh, talked about a point of pride um, earlier in the, in the show uh, was something that I really uh, took on when I was in Louisiana because it, it gave me a sense of purpose, a sense of where I was from and uh, something that I could be proud of and tell my friends about and, uh, again, have book reports and, and all kind of uh, about my family. Um, yes, ahead, and you say share with your with your daughter. I mean, does she yeah. understand it? How old is your daughter? <laughs> my daughter, her name is Azalea. She's only five years old, but she's right at the okay. point now where she can kind of uh, you know, understand that this is a big deal to our, to her family. Um, and so she yes. tunes in a little bit more and um, is, is is very aware of uh, Solomon Northup's story and, and what happened to him. So it's, she's at an age where she doesn't understand all the things that surround his life, so she doesn't really know what slavery was, and she doesn't, yes. you know, really understand the things of the trials that he went through, but she understands that he was a significant man to our family and the, and the world. Um, and so she's, she's able to grow up with that, with that sense of pride and, and, and belonging. Yes, yes, and, she, and there's a comment coming out of the chat room, and someone is kind of echoing what you just said, that you walk with it every day as far as this knowledge of what your great-great-great-grandfather went through, and she said she feels the same way about her granddaddy, Ike, and this is true, Lewis. Well, we're going to take a quick break and come right back and talk about the foundation. And also, I want to hear if any of you have any other comments you want to make. But we're going to take another quick break and then come right back. Well, welcome back to the show, and we're going to now focus on the foundation. And so Vera, as the founder of the foundation, the Solomon Northers Foundation, why don't you share with us your mission and give us just as much information as we need to know and understand about your foundation. Okay. Um, the Solomon Northers Foundation was created to... Uh, as our our 
um, mission statement says to keep the Solomon Northrop flame burning. Um, because we've we've known about this story um, all of you know our lives, and we've been aware of it, and the the movie has helped to uh, raise the awareness of of other individuals of the story. We wanted to seize the opportunity and and go further with not only um, honoring Solomon Northup, but this is also the story of other African Americans who were uh, freed and sold into slavery and who uh, did not get an opportunity to tell their story. So part of our mission is to uh, keep the Solomon Norfolk flame burning as well as other uh, individuals who were kidnapped and sold into slavery. And also, we, uh, as, as you've heard from our historian, um, we do research um, to continue to find out uh, more of the genealogy with the family and also to um, um, find out, hopefully one day, what actually happened to Solomon Northup and lay him to rest at uh, Baker Cemetery where his father lies. And additionally, we also um, are, another one of our missions is to lend our voice for uh, human trafficking to uh, put an end to human trafficking, you know, modern time human trafficking, and it comes in many uh, flavors uh, today, not not just slavery for, you know, uh, for labor, but it also comes in flavors for sex trafficking of minority of, of uh, minor children, and um, so so this is a voice that we also want to lend. Uh, the organizations. Uh, this is a, a cause that we want to lend the organizations' voice to, and we uh, do this through uh, speaking engagements. Um, and uh, this shows, like your show, that which which is a wonderful opportunity for us to share what it is that we're doing and to further um, educate individuals about Solomon Northup and what happened during this era. But um, also we do speaking engagements. We've got a couple speaking engagements coming up. Uh, uh, Clayton will be speaking um, on the 7th of uh, February um, at a genealogy conference. Um, myself and Justin will be speaking at a, a library in uh, Dover, Delaware. And... Um, um, there's some other things that are going on. What I would like to do is uh, hopefully have the listeners uh, visit the Solomon Northup Foundation website to find more information about our upcoming events as well as there's lots of uh, pictures and interesting facts there. And um, we're always uh, seeking uh, donations and grant money to help us with the operational costs to help us keep the flame burning. So we are very busy, and as you can see, we're uh, strategically located around the country in various places, and we're um, looking to continue to keep that flame burning. Okay. And have you had an opportunity to go into the various school systems to uh, to discuss just the whole issue of human trafficking and to share Solomon's story. Um, we, uh, yes. I, I, wait, I personally have not had that opportunity, but I was about to say uh, one thing that uh, Clayton has, and I would like him to speak more about that 
and also there is an initiative with the um, National School Board um, and um, the um, director of the movie, and they are making uh, teaching materials available to um, high school age students as well as a copy of the movie to teach um, um, high school students about um, the Solomon Northup story. Um, but yes, we continue to want to uh, also impact um, history books and get the history books uh, to, um, to, to, to teach what about this era, that it wasn't just about slavery, but these were individuals who were very skilled and were used uh, as, you know, labor to build the uh, infrastructure of this country that we live in. And that type of information, along with the fact that there were freed individuals, that information needs to be shared. And so we want to get our history books to uh, reflect that type of contribution that we made then and we're still making today. And so Clayton is, uh, as our historian, part of what he's doing. Clayton, you want to talk about what you're doing? Uh, yes, hi. I'm here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, is where I'm located. And last year I was able to work with the Social Studies Board of the Pittsburgh Public Schools here and the high schools to be able to go to the high schools and, and lecture them on Solomon Northup and the significance of his life in history as a whole, not just for black history, but the history of the United States of America. It was fortunate enough that I was able to work uh, with them and they made field trips for all of the high schools that I that I went to to go see the movie prior to um, me coming there to present to them. And it just gave an opportunity that uh, I believe that the students would not have had to know another significant part of, of American history uh, if it wasn't for the great works of uh, Mr. Draeger at the Social Studies Board of the Pittsburgh Board of Education. And that that was a great opportunity. I even worked with him of making sure that this year all of the social studies books for the African American studies for the seniors in the high schools here has information on Solomon Northup within their history books. So that that was a, a huge accomplishment. And right now, actually, just yesterday. I got in contact with another organization here in Pittsburgh called the Neighborhood Learning Alliance, and they're hoping to team with them as they do a lot of mentoring programs and other educational uh, programs outside of the Pittsburgh public school system. Right. Well, I would just like to, I mean, we're getting close to the end of the show. Someone else had another comment before we kind of go to the closeout? I just wanted to make one more uh, a comment, um, if I could, about okay. the foundation. One, one last thing that we, we also um, have, we, um, the Solomon Northrop's memoir, uh, 12 Years a Slave, uh, we have a, a, uh, a book that, uh, where I've actually uh, wrote the foreword for that book. And so we sell that book, the 
12 Years a Slave with my foreword in there, uh, the foundation does, and we utilize the um, uh, proceeds from the sale of that book to help fund, you know, the Sullivan North Foundation. So if someone's interested in um, the actual memoir, which I highly recommend that anyone who's interested in this story absolutely go read the book the movie it definitely enlightens you but the book gives you the full detail and the experience of solomon north that's right well how can and so thank you so much now there was a question that was in the in the chat and i just have to ask this question and it was about the movie how did the movie did, did you all know that this movie was even uh on the table and were the descendants aware of it, or were you aware of it after the fact? Oh, we get that question a lot, and um, we weren't really aware of it as the movie was being made. Um, but once the production was coming to a close, they they um, reached out to some family members, and um, we were actually able to get together with some of the production and a lot of the family at uh, a Solomon North of that day. Two years ago. Mhm. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then early on in the chat, there were questions about the um, DNA. Now, are there any direct Solomon Northup's male line? Are there any males that are still the direct line of Solomon Northup, or are we talking daughters here? Well, Justin and I are direct bloodline. <laughs> you all are yes. you all are descendants of daughters, though. Am I correct? Well, no, we're yeah. descendants of 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 Alonzo. Alonzo. Of Alonzo. Well, saying okay. Victoria is a daughter. Yeah, I see what you're Victoria. saying. Victoria. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Victoria. Yes, I met anyone with the anybody with the Solomon North of surname. Yes, um, uh, no. Our, our grandmother Victoria Northup has was, has a surname. Okay, she, so she's the female, and she married a male. So I'm looking for the Y line, the son of the son of the son of the son is what I'm actually mm-hmm. uh, referencing. Okay, mm-hmm. any closing remarks before we close out today's show or tonight's show? Wasn't sure if we mentioned the actual website uh, for the foundation. It's okay, w- you w- want to mention it? Yes, it's www.solomonnorthupfoundation.com, all one word. Okay, all right. And the um, a, a question that just hit the chat, are current generations naming any children Northup as a given name? Um, I don't, I'm not aware. You're not aware of it. Okay, yeah. well... I want to thank you all, all of you, for coming on the show tonight to share your insight. You have given us so much information after 12 years a slave. And so for those of you who are in the Washington, D.C. area, next month uh, Clayton Adams will be the keynote speaker at the uh, African American Genealogy Conference on February 7th. And so I hope that you all will come to hear him and to ask him even more questions in person. So thank you so much, 
Vera Williams, Justin Gilliam, Eileen Jackson, Lindsay Williams, and Clayton Adams for joining me tonight on Blog Talk Radio. So everyone, please remember, your ancestors left footprints. Therefore, you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history, family records, research at the National Archives, and beyond. And that beyond could include a slave narrative. Now, you can continue this discussion on the research at the National Archives and Beyond and AfroGenius.com Facebook pages. And also remember to listen to the African Roots podcast with Angela Walton Raji on Friday morning. And Angela, thank you so much for helping in the chat room tonight. Thank you for joining Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This show is sponsored by your host, Vernice Beebe's Genealogy Research and Educational Services, LLC. And my website is www.geniebroots.com. I look forward to you joining me next Thursday night, and we're going to have a good time talking about DNA. So this is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Good night, everyone. Good night, descendants. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank good you, night. Bernice. Thank you for having us. Thank good you night, and God bless. Us.